Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, everybody. Good evening. Some of you, it's really evening. For me, it's 6.30 p.m. Pacific. How's everyone doing today? Excellent. I hope you're doing as well as I am. Just a word of warning that it's hot. Okay, I turned my AC off because I have a through-the-wall air conditioner, and if I leave it on, it's going to sound like there's a phantom jet coming into my studio. So I can't run the AC. It's 100 degrees outside. So I have a nice ice-cold bottle of water sitting here, and I'm going to do something I don't normally do on, on camera. I'm going to drink water, okay, to stay hydrated. We got a great guest tonight. My name is Charlotte. I am going to be your host for the next hour or so. I am also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based on this lovely Sacramento, California. The, uh, we're 45 strong. And we have people up and down the state of California spread out so that if you have a paranormal need and need help, we can get to you anywhere you are. So the best way to get a hold of us is either via our website, californiahaunts.org, or CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com, and we'll get back to you. Or you can find us on Facebook, or find me on Facebook. It's easy. It's easy to find me. But anyway, I want to welcome everybody, and uh, hopefully you're going to enjoy the show tonight. Elle Sidney Fisher is with us. Um, it's going to be by phone. And she um, has done studies all over the South, and, and different ghost studies. And so you're going to hear about that. She's written lots of books on the subject. So you're going to hear about that. But uh, anyway... Uh, We'll get her on the phone here in a second. Announcement for Saturday. Saturday's class, there's still openings for the psychic development class. Um, the introduction to psychic development, that's still open. So hopefully one of you guys, or some of you guys, will come join me over there. You can get that at our, our uh, CaliforniaHauntsMeetup.com site and uh, check it out. Check out the class. Any funds we make you know, for the class go back to the team because, if, like I've told you guys before, we don't make any money doing this stuff. So, uh, you know, we always need equipment and things like that. So uh, it helps us to do that. Let me open this thing up here a little bit here. I don't want to waste the battery on this. Um, you might see me get off screen for a second or two here. I uploaded everything but Sid but Sydney's photo. <laughs> and I tried to open Corel a few minutes ago and it didn't open. So I'm probably not going to get access. This computer can't walk and chew dumb at the same time. So you're going to see pictures of books today, guys. Sorry about that. Anyway, I'm going to give Sydney a call and get the show on the road, okay? Literally get the show on the road. So let's dial in music. Ah, see? Perfect. Hello. Hi, this is Charlotte. Hey there, we finally connected. I was again, I was going, what's going on? <laughs> Let me get you hooked up over here, okay? Okay. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? It's hot. I'll tell you, it's really hot today. So, well, where are you? Where are you located? In Sacramento, California. Oh wow! It's hot out there then. It's a hundred degrees today. How? Oh my lord! So it's kind of crazy. And then my studio, I have to turn the air conditioner off because 
it's what it's a was through the wall, so the thing's really loud. Wow. So the mic will pick it up. It'll sound like there's a phantom jet coming through my house. You know. Wow. You know, I guess I didn't realize that you were two hours. Let's see, you're two hours. Six thirty is it's eight thirty here, so oh. you're two hours behind me. I d- I don't know why in the world that I was thinking that. Uh, I was two hours behind you. I don't know how I got so confused. <laughs> so I sent you a few emails and I was thinking, I went, oh my goodness. I don't know how I got so confused. It happens. I, know better than I get confused all the time with it. I mean, you know, it's not, it's nothing new for me because, uh, you know, trying to figure, especially if people are over in Australia and stuff, it really throws me. Oh, wow. You know, trying to figure all that out. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So tell me about you. Okay. So um, I have been writing uh, since, gosh, since I was a, a kid. So I was about eight or nine years old. But I started out doing uh, some poetry and, and writing some short stories and, and things like that. So I actually just, uh, this must have been uh, one of those innate, uh, either if it's a gift or, or it's a desire or, or they all kind of go together, I think. Um, but it started at a very young age for me and I had my very first paranormal experience when I was around eight years old and that kind of opened up a doorway, um, you know, to a curiosity about the supernatural and the paranormal. It's lasted a lifetime. Right. Um, I started, you know, uh, my mom, the, the one thing she always did for me that I, I have forever been grateful for is that during the summer vacation, uh, when we were out of school, she would drop me off at the library. We lived in a little small town. Things were very safe back in the day. You, you, you could drop your kids off and uh, it was a different time. But you could drop your kids off at the at the local library, and they had uh, programs for children. And I got to spend a lot of time there. And part of that time uh, was spent going through the bookcases uh, in the New Age section. And I'll never forget how that I would sometimes uh, pull books down out of the, the bookshelves, and I would sit in the floor and just thumb through all of them and decide which ones I wanted to take home with me. So that's kind of how I got my start in writing about the paranormal. It's just kind of followed me my entire life. Interesting. And you're also a medium, correct? I am. Now, I don't usually, um, I don't go around telling people that, um, you know, just because um, I've always said that I don't think it's something that necessarily uh, can be manipulated, just like ghosts are not something that can be manipulated. It really depends on whether or not they want to talk uh, or want to be seen or, or come around and things, even when I've done some paranormal investigations. But um, as a medium, um, it really depends on the circumstances, uh, whether or not the uh, – and also how strong the entity is. Right. Uh, you know, what they're, if they have a message uh, that they won't convey and that kind of thing. And sometimes I will open myself up and allow that to come through and I'll communicate with them. It really just depends. Uh, I had a very interesting incident happen uh, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, uh, when I was on a ghost tour. I was on vacation in Pensacola, Florida. 
and I took a ghost and graveyard tour. And we part of the tour was absolutely fabulous. We got to stop at this house that was featured on the television show, The Haunted Collector. Oh, cool. Are you familiar with Oh, yeah, absolutely. are you familiar with that show? Yes. So that particular, this is an old Victorian home. It was built around the uh, beginning of the uh, 20th century, early 1900s. And um, we went into the house. And so, you know, we had already, I've gotten a little bit of backstory, but uh, just mainly just about the fact that the house was haunted. Mm-hmm. So I, I hadn't even seen this particular episode of The Haunted Collector, but I was familiar with the show. And so when I arrived, uh, I had booked my ticket. And when I arrived there, the lady there, her name is Ivy, and she had told me, she says, you know, I made a phone call and I actually were able to actually stop on tour and go inside this house. And she said, I wanted to tell you this. And I did tell, uh, you know, the owner that, you were a clairvoyant medium. And I said, oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm very excited. So I did a little bit of background uh, study of uh, Ed just from what she had told me. And um, she she told me, you know, that it had been, that it, there had been ghosts in there. There had been, it seems like I read that there was maybe poltergeist-type activity there. Mm-hmm. So I had a, just a, a little bit of information, uh, but I didn't know any history that much about the house. Really, right. not any. Um, so when we got there and walked in, I'm, I'm telling you, Charlotte, from the minute I walked in the front door, there he was, standing on the stairs, right as you walk in the front door. And it was so funny because he just stopped and he turned around and he seemed to be kind of amused. He had this expression on his face um, as we all kind of, there was probably, I don't know, maybe 20 people in the group. And we walked into the front uh, foyer there and um, he just kind of, you know, almost that stance of maybe putting a hand on the hip. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was just looking at us and he had this little little smile on his face. So, uh, you know, it was funny. We started to walk on. She starts moving us up. The, the uh, owner of the home was giving us, the, you know, the history of the home. She was telling us a little bit about it. So she moves us into another room, and I watched him. He turned around, and I'm not kidding. He walked up those stairs and started on the second on the second floor, which was a landing there, and just mm-hmm. kind of disappeared. Wow. So I was going, oh, my gosh, there he is. So I knew immediately, okay, this man is here. Uh, He was wearing a dark suit almost, and it was really funny to me. He had had dark features, dark hair. He had uh, a a mustache. I remember that. Um, And he, uh, his suit had kind of, it was like a, uh, it looked like a tuxedo, you know, the old timey ones from like the, that you would see back in the, when the, when the guys wore the top hats and they had the long tails, Right. the suit, the suit had the long tails on it, but, uh, she moved us into another room and, um, that's where the main, uh, spirit really came through big time. It was so overwhelming 
the energy of that spirit was so overwhelming. It just, it almost made me just want to burst forth and interrupt her and say, and tell her, you absolutely have got to talk to whoever this lady is. She wants to talk to you so bad. Um, and come to find out it was her, it was her mother. Wow. Her mother, the person that I was sensing was the mother of someone who was connected to the house or had spent time there or had lived there at some point. And she was not elderly, but she was, you know, maybe late sixties, early seventies at the end of the tour. And, you know, you have to be careful sometimes. I've always said, who you share your crazy with? Um, (laughs) because you know, some people, they, they think you're nuts, but, um, at the end of this tour, um, I, I, I just couldn't, it was just overwhelming to me. And I just, told, I said, there is, it was so strong that she was trying to talk while I was standing there. And then she's very, um, she had a very strong personality, stern, uh, very vocal, bold a little bit. And, um, she just wanted to be, she, she wanted to talk, um, course the lady was narrating part of the tour so i didn't Mm -hmm. get to you know to really tune in to her but um i later told her about that and she she said uh that was my mother and uh, my mother was 73 years old and i i didn't go into a lot but once we left there i told the host uh ivy i said you know i i didn't want to you know to overstep my bounds Mm -hmm. but i said that spirit is uh wants to talk to her so bad so you know if they could get a um if they could get a medium in there uh to talk that would that would be good um she's 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 wanting to tell her daughter something for sure so that was very interesting and that was a that was an incredible um that was an incredible home it was absolutely it was a wonderful tour uh but it was also an incredible home and it was uh it was a neat opportunity where I got to put my, you know, it was those, mo- it was that moment, Charlotte, when whether or not I wanted to be a medium that night, uh-huh. it was like, it was like the ghost said, well, tonight's your night and we're not going to let you just shut down. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. When you talk about the crazies, I remember when I first started out ghost hunting and I remember going out and that was, just as go as the as the show Ghost Hunters was starting out, you know, and all that and Ghost Adventures was starting to come out, and I remember when I would go talk to people about, you know, possibly investigating, I, I had to go to the city of Woodland to get permission to investigate to, to let them know that we were going to be filming and investigating in the city. And I remember going in, and you know, you went in delicately. You're right about the crazies because I remember, you know, ha- having to explain to them and, uh, and, and tap dancing around it. You know, yeah. and finally the gal said, oh, yeah, I watched Ghost Adventures. And I went, thank God, I, you know, because it's just, it's just so hard because people think you're nuts. Yeah, it, you know, and it's interesting, though, because, um, gosh, I started to say 20 years ago, but that's not even accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, 20 years ago is when it, uh, I think Ghost Hunters and stuff really got cranked up yeah. um, on the series. And so, but if we even went back, let's say a decade before that, I mean, there was just, there was this, this time, 
when, um, you know, it was not accepted. Uh, it was, um, and you've got to also consider too, I think it's interesting what, what you're saying about that, because we are actually, you and I live in different areas mm-hmm. of the country. Um, so the culture is, is, is a little different. Um, but I live in, in the Bible Belt. And right. so, uh, way back when, um, there were just some things that you just didn't talk about that you didn't do uh, that might be translated uh, as to devil worship or, or something crazy. Now that's crazy, but um, so you just had to be very careful. Um, and uh, of course, we know better uh, now. We know better than that. Um, but you know, way back, uh, that was not the case. But it's very interesting because you know the age of spiritualism. Mm-hmm. Um, got really cranked up in the 1840s all the way through to about the 1920s was a very active time. And, you know, it was called the the golden age. And, you know, the thing is, there were actually people that were participating in some of these seances and things. I'm talking about people that you wouldn't, would not even think. Uh, People like J.P. Morgan were known to be seen mm-hmm. at some of these meetings where they would have seances and things. And they say that this, of course, really got cranked up um, after the Civil War, during the Civil War, because there was so much, uh, there was so much blood loss. I mean, there was so much death um, at, during that, during the, the Civil War. And so uh, people were really trying to cope at uh, a horrific time in our history. And so um, it was a means of, uh, you know, trying to contact, um, you know, people who had passed on mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of thing. So that was, you know, but it, it stayed on up until, you know, it was very almost mainstream, uh, if you will, until the, the better part of the 20th century. And mm-hmm. then, of course, it kind of, you know, other things. Uh, it kind of died down some, but a very interesting period in, uh, definitely for spiritualism was, uh, during the 1840s to about the 1920s. Very interesting. And, you know, Mary Todd Lincoln was, she used to have seances regularly right. <laughs> in the, in the White House. I've always said it. If the White House is haunted, it's because Abraham Lincoln's wife was having all those seances. <laughs> There's no telling what she conjured up. <laughs> this is so fascinating to me because, I, you know, when you think of the South, you know, and as far as ghosts go, it's got to be really active because of everything that happened out there. Correct. And so when you think about that, you know, I had a lady, uh, a friend of mine, came here um, to visit for, but she was doing some research for a book project on uh, Elvis Presley. Um, because the the city where uh, I currently live is Elvis Presley's birthplace. And um, she came and stayed here for a little while, and uh, she and I met on, uh, I used to give um, history tours of the downtown area, so she wanted to come along, and that's how she and I met, and we became friends, and have stayed friends all these years. But she was here visiting for a while, doing research on Elvis, and she also is, is a medium, and a very gifted person. And she told me after being here, she was from Minnesota. 
she told me after being here for a little while, she said, you know what? She says, until the land is cleared, um, there will always be horrific, just horrific hauntings and stuff. She said, the land is, is still, you know, it's covered in blood. And I said, well, you know, how, how do you expect to do that? I said, there were 600,000 people that died uh, during the Civil War, and um, 400,000 of those died due to exposure, um, disease, dysentery, all those types of things. Only 200,000 were actual battlefield deaths. And I said, so you, and it was fought on Southern soil. So I said, you know, you it's it that's going to be difficult, you know. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. she would say, she would she would say to me, she would say, you know, it's everywhere I look, you know, the land is full of, you know, like tormented souls and things like that, and you know, sudden death. And I said, yes, um, there's battlefield sites around, even in the town where um, where I currently reside. There there are a lot of places here. Um, and, and now this also has a Native American history. Mm-hmm. So there are areas in uh, that are not just related to the Civil War, but there are Native American uh, grounds um, that have hauntings. Um, and, and it's pretty common. And people are almost used to it. It's, you know, nobody kind of reacts. Every now and then, now you'll see somebody that they will kind of, you know, scoff or, or smirk if you say that, oh, don't go near, you know, such and such a place because it, it's haunted or whatever. Most everyone kind of, if you refer to certain areas, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I don't doubt it. <laughs> so they kind of all kind of has accepted it now as um, just a part of our, of the way it is of the history and, and things like that. So definitely, even, even in the area where I live, there's, you know, you, you look at the land and you look at places that are haunted all across America, not just in the South, mm-hmm. but you look at places all across America that are haunted. And, um, sometimes it has nothing at all to do with the, the structure that's there, the building or whatever. It, it has to do with, what happened on the land? It may be something that is attached to the land. The land could have been um, uh, could have been a cemetery. Uh, you know, you, you have to do your research and find out uh, if you can find out the history of of the land and, and where you are and that kind of thing. Wherever the the, the particular location is that that you are experiencing mm-hmm. a paranormal activity, then that's going to be your answer as to why it's happening. And I've always kind of approached them as it's just a mystery. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all, and I love mysteries. I grew up loving Agatha Christie. So she, it's her fault that I'm on this. Her, It's her fault and the ghost that I'm following <laughs> eight years old that's led me down this path. But, but that is, um, it's just a mystery that can be solved by finding out the history of a location. Now, when you talk about ghosts and hauntings in Mississippi, what 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 types of ghosts are we talking about? So you know, there's different types of hauntings. There are residual hauntings and intelligent hauntings, um, poltergeists, things like that. And you've probably uh, you know talked talked about this on other uh, visits that you've had with um, with other paranormal authors, maybe. 
Uh, I will tell you that there is a combination of all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, in Mississippi, there are, I, I've spent about two years, uh, two to three years actually traveling with a team that I recruited um, to do a paranormal investigation. And I was working on a book series called The Haunted, which kind of covers uh, Mississippi hauntings. And um, I went to some places that were, uh, there's really not any words to describe uh, adequately um, how scary some of this stuff was. There's one particular uh, place that I went, it was, and I, I, I named the book, named the chapter in the book, The Devil's Den. That was the location's name that I gave it because it was the most horrific thing. Um, and I don't think that anything can help it. I, I think burning it to the ground and making sure that nobody uh, goes there to live uh, is probably the best thing that can happen uh, because it is, it, it does have demonic activity. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, very, very bad. Um, this particular family had um, had moved into this. It looks like a lake. Looks like a lake house. Had a big, huge front porch that went, ran all the way around the second uh, second floor of the home. And they were so excited about moving into this new home. They had extra room for their children. Everybody had their own room. They weren't cramped up anymore. They moved from a smaller home into this. And for six months. Um, they lived there, but the lady told me that it was the absolute, it destroyed her life. Um, her husband, what happened was her husband became spiritually oppressed mm-hmm. and something was attacking her son. Um, it was really bad. Um, and then her husband ended up committing suicide in front of the family. Mm-hmm. Um and he used um, he used a shotgun, so it was uh, it was something that for the rest of her life, you know, will be she'll be traumatized. Um, but these she she told me some things that had happened uh, there, and some things that he was experiencing. And I asked her, I said. You know, had he ever shown any kind of depression or, or strange behavior, or whatever? She said, look, she said, we were married for 10 years, and it was 10 years of the, the of the best of my life. Those were the 10 of the best years of my life. And she said, our problems did not start until we moved into that house. And she said, I'm talking about a personality change. She said, um... He, she was at the kitchen counter one night. She was at the sink, and she was uh, washing some dishes. And he came up behind her, and she said he just said to her, I ought to cut your GD throat. Dang. And she wow. said, I stopped and just jerked around and said, what in the world? And she said he was not even the same person. And she said, I am telling you, that man had never, had barely raised his voice to me in the 10 years we had been married. And he was telling her, I should, I, I ought to cut your throat. No, he said, slit your Ooh, throat. Yeah. I ought to slit, yeah, slit your GD throat. That's what he said to her. So she was terrified. 
And the morning that this happened, the morning, I mean, they were seeing things. They were seeing a, this thing had to be seven to eight feet tall. Now, I'm telling you some of this stuff because I actually went into this place on two different occasions. The first time I was only there for about 15 minutes. And I said I would never go back without a team with me. So I went back on the, the second time I went back was on a, um, was for to do a paranormal investigation. And um, I had the team with me. But they were seeing a huge, uh, dark shadow. Um, I mean, I've got pictures of, of this thing that was snapped, and it is the most disturbing thing that you will ever see. I, I'm telling you, what was captured was it would it like rocks you to your core. Um, the other thing they were seeing, they would see an old lady that was humpbacked, and she had like hollow black eyes. And one day she was sitting in a rocking chair on the front porch and they had had some sort of family dinner and the one of the uncle a family member walked out onto the front porch and he was like throwing uh water out of a glass or something over the front of the the uh the rail off the second balcony and all of a sudden he hears wind chimes start chiming but the wind is not blowing so he turns and looks, and there she is sitting in that chair. He threw what was in his hand, threw it over the railing, and ran back inside the house. Then ran out of the house, got in his vehicle, and never came back there. So this was some this crazy stuff was going on all the time. And then the morning that the suicide happened, um, the husband had actually cut the landline, the phone, the mm -hmm. phone. They had a landline phone in the house. He had gathered the car keys and everything up, had hid them in the basement below, and had snipped the phone lines. Wow. So she, she couldn't even make a phone call. What she thinks and, and what later, you know, during the investigation, they came out and, you know, and of course looked at stuff. They believe that what what was intended to happen that day, he was going to kill everybody. Mm. But the bullets, he only found two bullets and one of them jammed. One of them uh, jammed or misfired or something and he was able to get the other bullet off and it, he shot himself. Mm. He, he meant, they believed that, that everybody was going to die that day. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah, it, it was a mess. It was really, really a mess. So there was some other things that, that actually uh, that actually occurred during during their six months there. It was the most bizarre thing ever. Uh, I did some history. I did some research on the property and stuff. Um, that place, I don't, I don't think there's – I don't know how you're going to fix it. There's been – um, on two or three different occasions, there was a Catholic priest that went out and blessed the property, tried to, I mean, these people sought help. They tried to find help before they had actually moved into the place, though. There was already some bad uh, energy there. There had been a family that lived there 
uh, months before, and a woman had given birth to a baby and stuffed it into a five-gallon drum. Ooh. Uh, oh, yeah, and set it at the end of the driveway. And it, the baby's, the, the infant's uh, body was found seven days later. Yikes. So there had, yeah, there had been a murder that had occurred. They knew about that before they moved into the home, but they weren't superstitious. And there had been, you know, maybe a stretch of time between what had happened between that time and them moving in. And they saw almost like the Amityville horror story. Isn't that funny that we bring that up, even though some people say that was a hoax? Uh, There's bits and pieces of that that uh, may have been legit. I think it was over-dramatized for sure. But... You know, supposedly, according to the Amityville Horror Story, the Lutzes were told beforehand that Ronnie DeFeo had killed all of his family in that house, but they weren't superstitious, and they said, this is a great price. This is a wonderful price on this home. This will be a great starting over point for us. We were, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, they got all, and they got all the furniture. The Lutzes moved in to uh, Ocean Avenue with all of the furniture that belonged to the DeFeos. So how would you like to be living in that? Yeah, that would freak me out. No, 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 no. That would, yeah, that would freak me out. That that really happened. In fact, I wrote about this. It was in March. Um, let's see. Can't remember if it was. March is a significant day. I think it's when he might have been. Uh, found guilty or, or, but anyway, you know, DeFeo recently died. So mm-hmm. he died a, a, while, a year or so ago. Um, but uh, I wrote about that. You can, you can actually access some of the things that I write about. I blog all the time on medium.com uh, under L. Sidney Fisher. And uh, I wrote about that, the DeFeos. So, yeah, so it's an interesting article. But that's, that's the same type of situation with that particular family called the Devil's Den that I wrote about. They uh, they just saw it as an opportunity. They weren't superstitious. There had been a murder that had happened there, but, you know, they saw this as a great opportunity for them to, you know, get into a bigger place and all that kind of stuff. It, she, and she will tell you to this day, it totally destroyed her life. So that has been my worst situation I've gone into. Now, as far as other hauntings and ghosts, I mean, gosh, I've spent the last two or three years doing paranormal investigations, but I've spent a lifetime studying uh, different types of stories about places and investigating them and conducting interviews and stuff. So um, that's probably the scariest place. Uh, it's not a place that I'd want to go back, and I will tell you that the neighbors that live near there mm-hmm. have called. Uh, they have contacted me and asked me to come back and bring uh, my team yeah. because they, they are seeing. Uh, they said that they see children uh, that walk from out of the, the woods. This is a, a heavily wooded area, and their eyes are red. Ooh. Yeah, I said, no, no, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I feel really bad for these people, but if I, I mean, that's not even safe. No. Uh, 
that's not safe. Now, I will tell you that it took me more than a week to recover from that investigation because you're drained. You are so physically drained. The energy is just, you're just zapped. So, I, you know, you feel flu-like. So that's what it feels like for me when I'm in a place where the energy is very, very strong and I'm not in the, I'm, I'm not as much in control as I would like to be. Mm-hmm. You can, you can feel, you can be zapped pretty quickly. Um, and it, and it took me about, it took at least a week to recover from that one. I can believe it. I can believe it. So, right. you, so you dealt with the, you dealt with cases like this. What, what, what about, um, civil war cases? I'm sure there's a few out there like, like that in the area, right? Uh, civil war cases? Yeah. Okay. So there are civil war cases. Uh, and, and here's what normally that I see whenever I'm dealing with um, a civil war haunting. Most of the time, what you're, if you go to a battlefield, you're going to hear stories of um, people seeing the ghost of soldiers uh, loading the cannons or walking across areas where they may have walked before that might be a residual haunting um you know that's just trapped energy it's just Mm -hmm. a a repeat over and over and over um so that's that's actually pretty common where it becomes uncommon or intelligent is where you have one that actually appears before you and and can communicate uh or attempts to uh, that is completely different. Now we have been in a in a place, where, and gosh, they're all over. I mean, it's you almost can't go anywhere in this. You know, in this. Think about the states where a lot of heavy fighting went on, and I guess it kind of went on all over the place. But I'm thinking about in terms of the towns and the skirmishes that were uh, around uh, outside of just the the battlefield um so even in the area like where i live part of this was a battlefield Mm -hmm. so the battle of tupelo was fought in the middle of july 1864 and um you had fourteen thousand troops coming in on a one mile stretch that's a long long way uh, mm-hmm. One mile wide, 14,000 Union troops that were coming in. And so this area was mainly cornfields, and a lot of the fighting went on. And most of the time, wherever they dropped is where they ended up getting buried. So, you know, over the years, people build houses. And you don't know where you're <laughs> building a house on top of a grave or not. I will tell you that I have told, been told of some stories where uh, a lady told me about a uh, a young boy that, uh, I wouldn't say he was a boy, he was a young man. She said he probably was no older than about 18. Uh, and he would, she said, for the longest time, she said, this started when I was about 12 years old. And she said, he would appear in my window every single evening at the same time. And I said, well, what did he do? And she told me what he was wearing. It was a, a, your typical attire uh, of a Confederate soldier. And she told me, she said, but he looked, she said his clothes looked worn, you know, like holes in them. 
and things. And I said, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And she said that he, um, that he would um, just stand there and just look at her. But she said he never, you know, really, he didn't try to talk. But she said he would. She said it was really sad because he looked like he was confused or lost. And she said this went on for about five years. And she said I did not see him anymore. After I, she said I went to college, but I would still come home on the weekends and stuff. You know, um, whenever I was in college and I would come home. She said, but when I came home, I didn't see him anymore. She said that it's like it stopped. She said, but this went on from about the time I was 12 years old to about 17 or so. And when I went off to college and came back home on the weekends and things, she said, I noticed that I wasn't seeing him. Hmm. And I said, well, that's interesting. And that was during a time of her, which is interesting, the the time, the age, right? If you notice that age of her, uh, of you know, they they a lot of people contribute poltergeist, the activity of poltergeist uh, happening with um, girls, adolescent girls. So that's interesting that that ghost showed up around that time. But she mm-hmm. says that he never really. Uh, you know, it was like he was kind of lost or something. But she said it was it was every day, every day. Yeah. So I found that very interesting. There's also people though that live in the area where she lived that have seen uh, a soldier who walked across uh, their yards, you know, their lawns um, on a regular basis. Huh. So that may be a residual haunting, and uh, you know, it's it's always. Uh, fascinating but um they've gotten pretty used to it i I do know that uh one girl um that was interviewed years ago said that she grew up in a neighborhood um here in town that uh in a house that she was absolutely terrified um because she would look out the window and she would see them walking in the backyard oh that'd be creepy yeah she said that she would see several and the thing is, she didn't know this at the time, but the house that she lived in was the site where 29 horse thieves were hanged mm. for stealing horses. Wow. Hanged and buried. Yep, she didn't know that, though. So that's interesting that she was seeing all this in her backyard. What about the house? She you, I mean, what about the house you're in now? Because obviously, you know, you're you're in that that high end area. What is what does a medium do when you're in that 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 high end of an area? You know, that's so active. Well, you just hope to God that you could just you know lead a halfway normal life, <laughs> and so that you. I will tell you what you do. Um, after all these years of dealing with. Uh, goes for a long time I used to think that there was there must be something wrong with me because I've lived in so many haunted houses and then I figured out no it's because that you are sensitive to that so no matter where you go mm-hmm. that's going to happen to you if it's there you're going to recognize it you're going to be sensitive to it so it really it doesn't matter where you live 
you know, you're either going to be lucky and there's not anything attached to a place, but, you know, that's just going to be, you just have to get used to it. Um, thank God uh, I don't live in an area where there's anything uh, bad going on, mm -hmm. uh, but I will tell you that I have had my moments here. I don't talk about it too much because I don't want to stir it up. Right. Um, I will tell you that uh, the dog, though, uh, regularly lets me know uh, when I'm not aware of it, just regularly. He, mm -hmm. he, he is the ghost dog, my dog, Willie. Um, so he sees, sees it on a regular basis. Uh, thank goodness not every day, but we usually know when it's around. Um, but I will tell you, there's been time, there have been times that I have uh, saged the place and uh, have had a come to Jesus talk mm -hmm. with any any spirits that are in my home that are not welcome here or or you know uh, functioning uh, in the light or from the light or of the light. They have no, no uh, welcome here. But um, sometimes, even I have I have uh, I have kind of you know, approach this from a comical sense and have um, actually had a talk one day and said, look, if you're going to hang around here, you're going to have to at least do some laundry <laughs> every now and then. I mean, you're going to have to pull your weight around here. Um, so, you know, I try to keep a sense of humor about it. Um, I did have some really, when I first moved in, there was some very bizarre things that were going on and another medium uh, actually came into my home and uh, we figured out what was what was happening it was it was unnerving and, and scary uh, we kept hearing or I kept hearing of course I never would say anything about my my children are grown now but during that time they were young and so I always was very careful uh, they didn't read my you know my paranormal books that I was writing that you know that they didn't read that because I didn't want you know, they're just children. I was very, I'm very protective of them. But um, anyhow, um, I kept hearing this dragging noise. Like, you know what uh, what it sounds like when you scoot your feet across mm -hmm. a, a floor or a uh, concrete? Uh, it sounds like you're dragging a bag of potatoes, let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, that noise, like something heavy that is being pulled and dragged across the floor I kept hearing this and it would get louder and louder and louder every day and it was always or it sometimes it'd be in the morning and then sometimes right after lunch mm -hmm. but I would be sitting in here at my desk and I would be working on my writing or whatever and here would start this this noise and it's it was so it would it got so loud one day i knew what was happening i knew what was happening and i am telling you that i i became alarmed uh and it was getting you could hear it getting closer to you so it, it i mean it was physically there um I could hear it getting closer to me, and so I got up from my desk, and I went, oh, my God, I'm going to look around this corner here, and there is going to be 
um, there's going to be something in in the kitchen. I'm going to see it. And when I actually got up and went to the edge, I mean, I'm not kidding you, as if it just stopped. Silence. Absolute silence. And I stood there and I went, oh, my gosh. And I, I said to it, I said, I, I just absolutely acknowledged it. And I said, I know you're here. I hear you. You do this every single day, and now I have finally gotten up because it's so loud. And I said, you've got to stop. And I talked to it just like that, and I told it, I'm working. And I don't know what, you know, who knows what I was talking to, but because I could not see them physically. And I couldn't get a visual on them mentally either. At that moment, it was as if they were there dragging this thing or whatever this was. Mm -hmm. Now, the other medium that came in to my home and did a sweep, he told me, he said, well, you realize what that was, don't you? And I said, well, I have a really good idea, but I really don't want to say because I live here. And he said, well, what you're thinking is correct. And I said, I was afraid of that. And he said, it was dragging a body off the field. I said, right. Ooh, that's a while. Yeah, dra- they were dragging, it, the, the soldier was dragging a body off of the battlefield. That's what was happening, because I'm smack in the, riddle, in the middle of it. And um, anyway, so, but you know, after I addressed it and told it, that, you know, there's got to be some rules here, mm-hmm. you know, it, it got quiet. Now, you know, it takes it it'll it'll crank up and do other things uh periodically over the years but um but all of the major magic tricks um you know i'm being uh funny but it it you know they have quietened down thank goodness so wow nice, quite life it's fun to write about this stuff but sometimes you can scare yourself to death <laughs> i can imagine i can imagine right. Well, you know, there's stories out of Gettysburg. I, I mean, there's this one in particular that struck me of this woman that was making extra money by driving, you know, because they have reenact Civil War reenactors out there, and she was, um, she would go out every every night to the battle, every evening to the battlefield, and pick up the reenactors and drive them back to town, you know, so they could go to their hotel or wherever they go, and she's driving along, and I guess she dropped them all off and didn't realize it. She looks in the rearview mirror, and there's still some sitting back there. Oh my god! And then it dawns on her that they're not real people, you know, sitting in the back of her pickup truck. Yeah, she's picked up some hitchhikers. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they're sitting back there. After a while, they left, but she she even at one point got you know got out of her pickup truck to look and and make sure. And then when she would get out, they weren't there. When she get back in, look in the rearview mirror, there they were. You know, That's so scary. a creepy experience. See, that, that is something that I don't want to encounter. I mean, I'm praying to God that, that, that I never encounter. That can cause you to wreck. Yeah. You know, run off the road. I mean, you know, all I ask is that my ghost, if you're going to show yourself to me, don't do it while I'm driving down the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, know, like, it's like my house is active. 
you know, I know they're here. And so I, I have an agreement with the ones that I know for a fact that don't come yeah. home with me from ghost hunts. You know, I know you're here. You know, you know, I know you're here. Don't scare me. Right, right. And, you know, most of the time, you know, what we encounter uh, in, you know, in hauntings and everything, they're, they're benign. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are just earth fountain spirits. I mean, it's rare that you run into something that is, you know, really, really uh, not good, uh, malevolent, but it can, that can happen. And I have, you know, and I will tell you this too. Uh, there are instances where you will be, um, you know, investigating, you may be investigating a, a, a location and, um, you think you're dealing with an earthbound spirit, but you're not, mm-hmm. you're dealing with, the, you're dealing with a decoy, um, which is something that is, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not a good, it's, it's not a good spirit. Um, and it's just pretending to be a sweet child or, you know, your grandmother or whatever. So you, you got to be careful. Yeah. Uh, Definitely do not. I I don't play with Ouija boards. Uh, I know there are people that say, oh, now, come on. That is a great uh, divining tool. Um, I understand. I understand all of that. Uh, At the same time, though, I also understand that um, it's very difficult for you to control. How are you controlling who you're contacting? Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes you're opening doors and you're letting something come through and um, it's too late once that's done. So um, I just, you know, I do think they're fascinating. Um, I've even got a little box that's got the, uh, you know, the the Ouija board front on it or whatever, but it's just for, you know, for spooks and thrills because I think that's cool. And because I'm a paranormal writer. Sure. Uh, But as far as me putting a planchette on it and saying, okay, who wants to talk tonight? Nope. I don't do that, but I don't even need to uh, a lot of times when, um, you know, I've got to try to sleep at night and I would really, uh, I've got enough dealings with the ghost I've got here. I don't want to be, you know, inviting in uh, others <laughs> to that's come funny. join. Well, that's right. You know, so, I can I can tell. Just like you're so used to the ones you have in your house, you can tell when something comes home with you. Oh lord! Because they are completely yeah. different, you know. And so I've had a lot of instances. Yeah. Well, not a lot because I don't bring a lot home with me. But I've had several instances where I brought something home with me that just didn't act right, and I knew it. You know, so I had to get I, I had to order it out of the house or do or take it back to wherever it came from. You know, but it it, it it's not fun. It's not fun at all. It is it is not. You're right. I've got a couple questions in the chat room. One is do coastal areas have more activity uh, for hauntings because of the water? Well, I'm gonna say not necessarily. Now water is known to be a conductor. This is true. Um, are there hauntings on the ocean or in the ocean? Although some research says that there's more hauntings in the ocean than there is anywhere else on the earth. Mm-hmm. I still wonder how, how do you know that unless you conducted, you know, decades and decades of taste, uh, test in the, in the water. So I mean, here's the bottom line. 
spirits are not confined to any particular area. Um, as far as are there more hauntings just because it's a coastal area? That's an interesting question, and the reason that that I know where they're leading with that because the water is a conductor. Uh, does it mean that they possibly might be stronger? Maybe they are. There are more intelligent hauntings. Maybe the the amount of energy there seems to be a little stronger. If the the actual um, spirit is able to to somehow use that as a to increase their uh, you know their energy, I could see that that would happen. But as far as most haunted sites. Oh my goodness. I mean, I could take you to some places that you would just, it, it just defies, um, it defies explanation. It really does. Uh, places like, um, you know, the Waverly, uh, there is a, a prison that is located, I don't think Waverly is the right word for it, but it's located in Tennessee. It's one of the uh, state prisons that is abandoned. But it is very well known for being extremely haunted. But I will tell you that as far as the activity is concerned, it has a lot to do with the history of the place and what is going on there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another question. Um, how can you know the difference between an oppression or a psychic problem? Or a psych problem? That's a good question. Um, first of all, I would um, make sure that you get, if a person thinks that they're, uh, if they're having some issues that have come up just suddenly, mm -hmm. I would always consult my doctor first and have an evaluation. But um, if I, if I had lived in an area, this, this, for example, the devil's den, okay? This particular family, this man had, uh, I mean, I even asked the facet, look, did he ever have any problems before you moved there or whatever? She said, look, everybody has to deal with some anxiety and stress in their lives and things like that. And I said, correct. We all do at different times, you know. And she says, but nothing to this degree. And he even started to tell me, I'm hearing, I'm hearing voices. He told her at one point, if you knew what I was being told, you would leave here and, and get away. So it totally freaking this woman out. Um, all of those things were pointing to spiritual oppression. Every, every single bit of it. I think that what they needed at that moment, they needed a combination of things. They needed, uh, he might have needed some, uh, to make sure that he didn't need uh, something, a little anti-anxiety pill or whatever might have helped. If he was dealing with stress from work, he was a truck driver. Um, or possibly they needed to, I would have just got out of that house. But, you know, they needed to um, to get help from a minister. But, you know, look, in all fairness, they tried. Mm -hmm. They tried everything. They tried all of it. This is just a tragic story. So the main differences between it, because to answer your question, because honestly, a lot of these they're they're very similar. So it's it's I, I I handle this with kid gloves on this particular question because 
I'm not a physician, and I feel like that everyone should always seek the advice of a physician if they feel like that they have trouble. But when you're dealing with spiritual oppression versus uh, psychic issues or whatever, sometimes they're very similar. Uh, And it's um, if you can eliminate anything that could be causing the added stress, whether it's a job change or too many changes in your life all of a sudden, or you're just suddenly starting to have, you know, things that are, you're starting to change, your personality's changing, and you've recently moved to a new place or something like that, there's a lot of things you need to take into consideration, and you can get to the bottom of it. Okay, cool. Last question. Of, you know, everywhere you've been to write your books, where do you think is the most haunted areas? The most haunted area. The most haunted area. Hmm. Well, I've got to. I've got to start to. I've got to look at them and think back. Where's the most haunted area in these books? Gosh. Well, uh, I've been all over the state of Mississippi. Been at all uh, in many, many places in Tennessee, but all all around the South, uh, different areas in the United States. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you, just because of the amount of uh, torment uh, that went on and the amount of hauntings that are reported all over the South. And take into consideration my friend, the medium, who who came here and said that it seemed like everywhere she looked, there were ghosts. Um, I'm going to say that the South is one of the most haunted areas mm-hmm. for two reasons. For two reasons. Uh, one, yes, the Civil War was fought here and there was a lot of death. But two... Um, this was where a lot of the the Trail of Tears, the Indians, the American Indians were moved from their homes. You had a lot of those. Uh, you had hundreds, thousands that, that passed away uh, when they were moved out west to Oklahoma. Um, so you had, you know, different tribes mm-hmm. that were affected by this. You had Alabama. You had Georgia, Florida. All of the, you know, Mississippi, Tennessee, uh, if I'm missing anybody, I'm not doing it on purpose, you know, um, all of these, these Indians, these American Indians that were also moved out west, there are many of them that passed away. You've got some areas here that are, will we say, bubbling over mm-hmm. with they're bubbling over with spiritual activity because there's a lot of history that's here. And there's been bloodshed. And where there's been bloodshed and there's that history and it's not been healed, it's going to leave an imprint. And that imprint is either going to be residual or it will be intelligent. So if you have an earthbound spirit that has decided that they're attached to earth and they have not decided to transcend and to move on, then there you are. And, you know, if you're a sensitive person, you're going to be like a sponge and you're going to sense that for the rest of your life, you know, 
all over the top. I will tell you that people tell me that they visited places uh, like in Scotland and um, places where there was horrific death and different things. Um, and it was it left a, a sense of, uh, I mean, it was almost overwhelming. It made them sick at their stomach. So um, if you're a sensitive type person and you visit this area and, and you pick up on that, you may you may experience some of that as well. Maybe a little bit overwhelming to you, but there's a lot of there's a lot of history here. So the main thing about where's the most haunted places, I will tell you the most haunted places that I've been, no matter where they are, are those places where there has been something traumatic that has happened. It's like a horrible imprint there, and it's just unsettled, That's and that can be anywhere. Wow, yeah, I know there's a like even California out here, you know. We've got, we even have Civil War battles out here. Yeah, and look at uh, Alcatraz. Oh, yeah. See, can you imagine, I will tell you that, you know, Alcatraz was on my bucket list for a long time. But after watching uh, some of the, the, the ghost hunting shows that actually, you know, they went to Alcatraz, they filmed there. Um. I just, uh, there was one that I watched, I can't even remember if it was Taps, it's been years ago, mm -hmm. it was one of them, but there's been more, I mean, there's been a few that have been there, um, I mean, I could just, I, I mean, I was sitting in my living room watching this, and um, I thought, oh no, can you even, imagine? if I walk into that, some of the, oh my gosh, some awful, awful stories have come out of there. Um, the, the things that people endured. Um, and I just, I, I think it would be too much. I really do. I, that is a place that even though I would love to, to see it, yeah, I think that I would have to really psych myself up before I went, uh, with a level of protection and, and do a lot of meditation before I go, because I, I really feel like it would be, uh, almost, uh, too much, too overwhelming. Understood. Absolutely. Sydney, thank you so much for coming on. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. This was terrific. I'd love to have you on again in the future, but my gosh, it was more than I could have asked for, and I thank you so much. Thank you so much. You have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that was our guest. Uh, I learned a lot about Ghost of the South. I've always been fascinated with with the Southern ghosts because of the history back there, you know, with, with the civil wars and the, and the native American battles and stuff. So I actually got to fulfill one of my fantasies and listening to stories tomorrow night. If anybody's into the shroud of Turin, Joseph Marino is going to be with us. And Joseph Marino is a ex Catholic official who got into studying the shroud. And he's been studying the shroud for a, a long, 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 long time. And he's found new revelations about the shroud that we're going to hear about tomorrow night. Okay, so I'll have some video, you know, some, some pictures of the shroud and all that. But he'll be with us tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Um, it's hot right now. I get to go cool off for a little bit. And then this is the night that Nancy and I are going to work together and do my regression and see how, that's, see how that goes. And so it should be an interesting evening for me. But I want to thank everybody for coming. And like I said, I'll see you tomorrow. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five others. 
because we're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Be sure to visit the website, CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. Also, if you're watching from YouTube and there's that little ghost down there at the bottom right-hand corner with the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat, be sure to click on him to uh, subscribe because, like I, like I always tell people, we just don't do ghost stuff. We also do other types of videos, you know, other types of shows as well. So I think there's a little bit of something for everybody on, on, on the YouTube page. So please check that out. And if you do go to our website, if you have trouble finding YouTube, go be sure to go to the radio website. Every video on there is hooked into YouTube. So that, you know, you click on a video, it's going to take you over the YouTube site. Okay. Also, I'm putting together our blog talk, links to all our blog talk shows. It's taking a long time. I didn't realize how many shows I had done over there. But uh, eventually, I will have all the links lined up for the blog talk show. As you can see along the bottom, I have a ticker running. That's because, as I said earlier in the show, um, we don't take fees for our ghost hunting or anything like that. So, uh, you know, everything comes out of pocket. I'm the boss, so everything goes out of my pocket. Equipment, anything else you have here you know, that you see here. So if anything breaks, i got to, you know, pay for it, just like the internet bill and everything else. If you can find it in your heart to help me out, that'd be great. At paypal.com at California Haunts. Or uh, if you feel you don't like PayPal, Venmo, just type in California Haunts. Anyway, I want to leave you tonight. I'll leave you with her website. And she's got more books than what the, the, than what we showed tonight. But uh, uh, you can go to Amazon and find those. But I'll leave you with links to all that. So here we go. Let's get the links up. Now, you probably already know them because I clicked on them by accident tonight. <laughs> so here you go. Website, lsydneyfisher.medium.com. And, of course, those are the books, the, the her Haunted series. More of her Haunted series. Which feature goes to the South and Mississippi? And the Devil's Board, which I thought was rather interesting. It's about it, it's college kids that have used a Ouija board and contacted something negative. And uh, I thought the book was interesting. I've read it. It's a very fascinating book. But there, like I said, there's other books as well. So they're all available on Amazon if, if you want to check them out. And again, thanks for coming tonight. And I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Bye.